Hello and welcome to episode 55 of the Motorific Podcast. Thanks for coming back to see us. And if this is your first time, thanks for listening. My name is Joanne Don from GearChick.com and I have my awesome co-host Christy Farrell, also known as the Adventure Goddess on Twitter. So this week, what are we going to bring you this week? We're going to bring you a couple, just like one or two news stories and um, a couple products that we saw in the industry news. Apparently there's a helmet out there with a brake light attached to your helmet or something like that. Some kind of integrated lighting, lighting, lighting and braking system in your helmet. There's that. Um, I don't know what else it's kind of a quiet an interview week. i have an interview coming up it's not in this that one would, it'll be that'd be part two i suppose of uh, episode 55 yeah it'll be like a 55 b this will be 55 a <laughs> the one-off um, episode yeah and then well there were a couple bike launches at am expo so we could always throw those in there which i think is it's always fun when new bikes show up it's a wonderful thing and then in our kind of advice corner we thought we'd give you a couple of ideas if you are having trouble um, gaining or regaining your confidence maybe on the bike maybe it's been a while since you've ridden maybe you're frustrated maybe you don't know if you want to ride anymore who knows lots of different reasons when things go wrong and we're like what's going on here so let's um let's talk about some of these products like this funky helmet yeah, it's actually not. The cool part is it's actually not a helmet. It's, so it's actually a, just a little widget that you can attach to whatever helmet you use. Cool. So it's an accessory. So that's exactly it's an accessory. And so that's always great because you can't really fit one head in one helmet, as everybody already knows. Mm-hmm. So it's good that you don't try to design a helmet and then uh, include your product within it. Yes. So this is called Hellstar and it's the wireless helmet brake and signal light. And basically, it attaches to the back of your helmet, and it's a Kickstarter program. So, in other words, they're looking for a quarter of a million dollars. So far, they've got uh, about ten grand, and they've got fifty-four days to go. Hmm. And this project, basically, let's see, hundred bucks will get you the system if you jump in on Kickstarter, and they have a video. And uh, you know, kind of give you an idea. It, it's basically just a way to increase your visibility. Um, personally, that's eh, not a bad idea. I mean, having more visibility upwards towards your head, that mm-hmm. kind of works. Especially if you look at the comparison image on here where you have the people without that on and then the people with it on. Mm-hmm. just kind of adds an extra dimension of, of visibility if you mm-hmm. aren't already wearing a vest or if you have, like, you know, uh, that tape. You would put that on your helmet, didn't reflective you? Reflective tape, the, yep, just 3M yeah, reflective. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so if you're looking for something like that, uh, that might be something of interest for you to check out. We'll post that link on our show notes. Also, just having a brake light that's a a modulated brake light. So when you hit the brakes, it'll flicker. I used to have that on my Kawasaki, and I've been kind of wanting to put it on my BMW. I I just need to go out and buy another one. Yeah, that would be really cool to add on there. But I'm trying to minimize the farkle because I decided I don't want to put really a lot of money into my current ride. So uh, I would, though. I totally consider that. I feel like I have enough juice to add that. Totally cool. Are they easy to install? Is that something quick and easy? They're they're not bad if you know someone. Well, let me let me 
be straightforward about this, honest. Um, the wiring harness on the Vulcan, on the Kawasaki Vulcan, was very, very short and tight. Hmm. And me not being an electrician and thinking, oh, this looks about right, um, didn't really work out so well Ooh. for me until I made that phone call to one of my friends who's an electrical engineer and said, could you maybe hmm. come over and help me out with this? And he managed to help me install it. But basically, it's just a, a, a box, a tiny box that's about half the size of an iPhone and maybe twice the depth of an iPhone. And you need to hide that underneath the seat somewhere. And then you basically take the, um, I think the the box taps into your battery maybe, and then taps into the electrical system of your bike. Hmm. So tricky wiring harnesses, you know, you might want to phone a friend if you're new at this stuff. But um, for the most part, it wasn't too bad once I... Once we fixed what I cut. <laughs> Got it. So you may want to ask for some help if you don't know what you're doing or you're unsure. But, I mean, I I don't think it's, like, incredibly complicated. But it's, I no. guess it's nice to have someone who's experienced and can tell you whether you're on the right track. Yeah, kind of and, n- and not to have a wiring harness that's a real pain in the butt, too. That That also would have helped. Got it. Pick the red one. Snip. Oh, I wasn't supposed to cut anything. Hmm. Yeah. Mm. Guess I probably forgot to mention that to the guy I sold my bike to. Ah. <laughs> <Got> it. <laughs> um, so speaking of gadgets and new things, uh, there were also there was a bike announcement. I was mistaken. Those basically Yamaha apparently introduced a lot of new bikes. Um, the Amex boat is by the way, it's a brand new motorcycle show and it is open to the public. It's not a close, right? It's not a closed show. No, this year was the second year and I believe it goes from maybe Wednesday, but at least Thursday, Friday are, uh, are closed days that are closed to the public and only for industry professionals. And then Saturday and Sunday, it is open to the public. And yep. the amount of test riding and area <laughs> that you can take for test rides, I mean, it was limitless. Uh, I remember seeing uh, some posts from Stephen Grasso of the Cafe Racer podcast. And he must have lined up like 10 or 15 bikes. Like every every couple of Instagram photos was, this is victim number one, victim number two, victim oh, nice. number... So so it'll be interesting. If you're, if you're interested in the... Uh, interviews play-by-play and lots of bike reviews make sure to look into their next upcoming podcast in like a week or so yeah, the... but yeah I'm, I'm totally jealous because uh, people that joanne and i know that would probably uh never go to this thing was there this year <laughs> and so everywhere i turn someone's at someone's an aim and i'm thinking man it's just a party that i'm totally missing out on so yeah. hopefully hopefully year number three next october oh it'd be nice to try to hit that up next year oh but it's the aim expo is a new kind of show and there's actually far more exhibitors there in at least uh that riders would really want to see like revit had a booth there cena headsets Mm -hmm. had a huge booth there like a lot of yamaha unveiled um the r3 there which is a middleweight between the r or sorry it's like the kind of entry weight below an it's R6. So comparable to the um, CBR300 mm-hmm. and the uh, Kawasaki uh, Ninja 300. Mm-hmm. So people And are... if you haven't 
sorry to interrupt, John. If you yeah. haven't seen the video uh, of that launch, so to oh, speak, we have to with post uh, that. Colin Edwards and his wife, correct? Yes, um, we, we should post that. <laughs> kind of, really kind of cute. Interesting. Yeah, but it it shows, I think, that there's a big audience, and um, the show is doing really well, relatively, I think. So yeah. their companies are launching bikes and whatnot, so... I think the R3 is pretty cool. It's a nice addition to this kind of entry-level lineup. Um, it's an inline two, is what they called it. Basically, a little, a uh, little, right, a little twin, a little twin 300. Um, wait, do I have that right, or is it a? I think it's a two. It shouldn't be any more than that. I mean, double check the FZ07's twin. 320 parallel twin yeah instead of a single so i wonder that that sounds really fun but uh yeah that was that was a launch so now you have yet another option in the entry or just the kind of small weight market if you're looking sure. for something smaller and they apparently they also launched some new models of their off-road and dual sport bikes as well so but this was like the big kind of the big news for the street side of things um, but yeah, it looks like just a cute, like shrunken R6, really cool. Makes sense. Now Yamaha has one, um, Cowie has one, Honda has one. Who's left? Suzuki. What does Suzuki have? Oh, it's actually a 321, so slightly more uh, engine displacement, I think, than its other two counterparts with uh, Honda and Kawasaki. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. But um, offset cylinders again, just uh, similar to what Yamaha usually does to preserve some of their um mm-hmm. so, oh, Suzuki, started to sound really smart and now i kind of failed with where i was going with that <laughs> that's okay bottom line is they came out with this cool little sport bike but sorry it's a sport bike the r3 is a sport bike just like the r6 and the r1 it's an entry level weight at 321 so it's just kind of what you envision an r3 to look like but you know, there's a lot of photos online and articles right now buzzing about that. So very cool, Suzuki. Your turn. I'm hoping we're hoping to see a G6R. I don't know, GSXT. I don't know what you call it. Whatever they're going to call it, it's their turn to come out with something in the 300 side to compete. I mean, they do have the GS5. And, and apparently, um, <clears throat> they're releasing an R1 as well at uh, Iqua in Milan. A new R1. Good times. Good times. Um, As far as other product launches there, Senna did announce a camera, a new Bluetooth camera that's voice activated, which makes sense. If you're not familiar, um, Senna makes Bluetooth intercom systems. So they have about, well, they have a ton. But on the motorcycle side of things, they have one, two, three for five different uh, Bluetooth headsets for motorcycling. And um, now they have this camera, which is Bluetooth, and you can control it by voice and record, which is pretty cool. So they also apparently have some, even beyond that, more products. Um, But Senna's great if you're looking for a really easy-to-use rider-to-rider system or just a solo rider system. It's a, just a really nice set. I have one. I have the SMH5. But um, you can definitely check out all the new products they launched. 
as well over at the AIM Expo. So they had a booth there. What else? What, what other new things? Um, Shoeworth, they announced a new helmet at I, not at yeah. Airmot. I don't know if they had a booth down. No, they, they did they have a booth. Name. They announced a new helmet at uh, well, um, Intermont first, AIM. right? Really? But, did they? Yes, it came out at Inter- uh, It's Germany. Yeah, the Intermont was a couple weeks ago, and they okay. They lots where they launched the new um, their new three quarter. They kept it under wraps then, right? Until I didn't hear about it. No, uh, yeah, I mean, I read about it. They posted about it on their feeds, but they. They did launch it at Intermont first. It makes sense. Germany. German show. Um, so they launched it there. And then, of course, they had another booth at AIM. And they launched a open face three-quarter touring helmet along the lines of Showy's J-Cruise and Arise CTZ. Those are like five to $600 open face helmets. They're not even like they're full open face, but they're more than as much if not more than a lot of full face helmets so i believe yeah. the schubert helmet falls in line at the same um kind of the same level um, no thank you it, it, some people just want you know still want open face helmet but they want an amazing open face helmet so let me look up the name of that one it is called oh. the metro yeah. i believe while you're looking up, I'll go back to the what I was trying to say with the offset cylinders is that you um, your inertial torque issue is almost eliminated when you offset the cylinder. So there you go. It was the same thing, same concept in the FC07, and I remember writing about that, and I just could not remember it. Why is this not on their website? I'm confused. Um, I thought they, seriously, I thought they launched it at AIM. Nope. That was the first I heard of it. Nope. Happened in Intermont. Um, the Metropolitan. So Metro. It's not on. It's not on the U.S. site yet, but um, there's some YouTube videos as well with the product launch. But then um, I just saw photos of the booth over at um, at Intermont. But it looks like a very nice, super fancy open face helmet. Um, oh, here they're calling it the M1, whereas in Europe it's called the Metropolitan. Interesting. Um, there's like this funny photo of a bunch of people wearing them. Who are these people? They look so cheesy. <laughs> Hold on, let me send you this link. I don't know. I don't know who these people are, but the picture's really cute. So, lots of new stuff coming out, and um, if you went to AIM, we would love to hear from you and how much you loved it or hated it, or if it was your first time or whatnot. Um, it's in Orlando, Florida, by the way, so if you're down that way, I would definitely check hmm. it out. If I were anywhere down there, I would absolutely go down there. I remember seeing this picture, and I remember thinking, who are these people? <laughs> Do maybe they have the, any significance? Well, maybe this photo is from Intermont. It could be. So it could, it could be. be the German version. It could be, because looking at their gear, I, I don't recognize any of these brands, but who knows? The names are different, though. Uh, over, I just, in Europe, I'm mercying the sign for the Metropolitan. But, um, so, more new stuff. More new fancy things to look at. I think that was it for bike 
launches. Like the R3 was like the main thing this week that I saw that was interesting. Uh, We'll post this on the website, this this link from Motorcycle.com. But did you happen to read the uh, comment section on here? No. The guy says, uh, with regards to the Schubert helmet, I'm sure it's a fine helmet, but I get more smiles from the ladies when I'm sporting my full face awry with a dark shield. And then the comment to his comment was, that's because they can't see your face. (laughs) Well, that's probably part of it. And then the the guy retorts, you mean it's not because the graphics on my awry are so striking and girl? Wow. I love it when you just get these people who don't take everything personally. And yeah, it's just awesome. So there's your laugh for the morning or afternoon depending on when you're listening to this yeah oh of course and then the the other big bike at intermont just from a couple weeks ago was the h2r ninja like the supercharged crazy sport bike that i yeah none, that us mortals that i really don't care about or will never consider purchasing but it's supposed to be some game changer in this in the super sport street side but i i'm like i don't i don't even need anything over 800 or you know just for me it's it's kind of a snooze fest i could i could care less get me a 650 uh ktm adventure that will get me excited is all hell that's that's something i'll jump up and down you know shake my ass over but right at first if you're interested in you know or even like a new one from bmw i'm just more excited in the kind of you you know what i mean just like that middleweight and i'm just not so excited about these big supercharged bikes that you'll never use to their full potential in the street. It's got some crazy pipe action on there, too. It's just a crazy-looking bike. Like, it's total, you know, testosterone-filled party of... It is, and I know it's it's totally a chick thing, but for me. (laughs) But uh, the aesthetic that the Ducati has always had with the monster, having the trellis be completely mm-hmm. different color than the rest of the body. Mm-hmm. They kind of did that with the, uh, with the H2R here. And I really mm-hmm. like it. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> so chick perspective. Oh, I see the graphite and it looks neat, but the green <laughs> really pops. That would go great with my black Dainese leathers. Okay. Well, actually here's something interesting. There's also on motorcycle.com is a uh, a super bike, a little shootout between the uh, Super Duke 1290 versus the uh, EBR 1190SX. Oh, that looks like to check that out. I think there were EBR test rides at AIM Expo also. I nice. believe. Because I remember seeing something from James, maybe from the pace, talking about Stephen from Cave Racer and how he thanks to him he got this test ride blah 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 but that looked exciting maybe we'll have to check in on them and see what they're reporting back about the show i would love to hear like what else was what else was there and what we might have missed i think everything well we really got to endeavor to get that party in year three on our schedule all right year three um yeah so based on all of the uh all of the launches and the releases and from, you know, what we're hearing initially, apart from numbers, which probably won't come out for another month. Congratulations, Larry. Another uh, another knock out of the park for year two of AM Expo. Oops, I just opened an ad. Sorry. <laughs> That's why the motorcycles aren't playing. Um, yeah, I, I can't wait to see what the show is in like five years. That'd be cool. There's a woman who has a store. Um, I believe it's, isn't it in Iowa? No, it's no, uh, it? Sioux Falls. Sioux right? Falls. Um, 
Um, Doris Schumacher, Ride Empowered. Yes, and um, we've talked about it before. Yeah, I think we mentioned her store, but they interviewed her Dealer News anyway. It's the, kind of an industry blog, and they interviewed her and asked for her feedback on what she thinks the hurdles are for women who are shopping for gear are, and uh, she, you know, brought up a couple good points and then a couple things that she discovered while starting this store and figuring out, you know, what her customers need and kind of what her customer base was. And it's, I think, certainly no different than what every other store challenges is just trying to figure out, you know, what the customers want, what they need. And education is like a huge thing because I think she remarked that a lot of her customers just weren't informed about what they, what they what they need they need, need and you know not un- informed about what they should wear just not really sure all altogether and then unsure about how things should fit and just completely out of the loop um, you know trying to figure out what motorcycle gear means and you know what they should be wearing and whatnot and that's always the case I've, I mean every time I talk to a new customer that's it's pretty common. Um, besides kind of the fit aspect and, and all, and that general education, the only thing I really want to add to this is that it's not, um, the customers getting in the door so much, although that's definitely always a challenge for, for stores is to find customers and try to get them to come to your store, right. And shop at your business. But, um, having the right diversity and uh, stock of inventory that can drive people to your store because if you don't have enough for them to check out they're not even going to give it a second thought to shop online if all you have is one thing they're not going to ever visit you why should they you you know if you don't have what they need you know so it's a catch-22 well I can't find what I need at the store I'm just going to shop online well I never get customers in here and I can't sell more than two things. There's no point in putting out more than two options because I just don't get enough women in here to look at all of them. How do you bridge those two gaps? How do you get those two parties to meet together? Um, I always hear that the market's not big enough. Maybe I'm delusional or maybe I'm naive, but I just don't buy it. I know it's not, the market isn't as big as the men's of course it's not equal we're not 50 50 I just think it's bigger than people think it is that's all it's just really hard to like you know it's hard to find it it's hard to find those people and get them in your door but it's nice that there's there's a store like that even though it's in the middle of the country and they're not all over and there's not enough yeah it's uh, on the way to Sturgis so ah. I would say comfortably she probably carries more cruiser related, but she does have a uh, dual sport and uh, products touring. like Icon. Yeah, I remember touring first things. Year mm-hmm. She has sounds like so she tries. She has a decent spread. Yeah, sounds like she tries to keep a a good selection, and it's and I bet that you know she can't have every single thing in there, and she probably tries to keep whatever she can in stock as much as possible that she can afford to, you know, given those parameters, because it's really expensive to have 10 different brands of product in your store. 
and sit yeah. on the shelf. So I'm sure she does the best she can and, and good for her. I hope someday she's able to increase that variety and in inventory to include some premium lines and not just the budget lines. Um, to encourage her customers well, I don't know. Some to of, spend more. Some of Icon's uh, jackets are over 500 Some of them are, but the general price points of what she's carrying sure. are far more budget-friendly, and I doubt she has any Climb, for example, or Revit or Dainese or any of yeah. the expensive product lines that really you can only get in the door with 200 bucks on. Yeah. Um, but that takes more work, that takes more time and money, and it takes trying to get more customers to get to you. Mm-hmm. But um, good for her. I hope it hope it works out for her. We could use more shops around the country. You know, it'd be nice to yeah, have more. Yeah, that's that's a one woman operation. Two. Yeah, she it, has a hus- husband and a couple of kids, and mm, uh, she basically mans and does everything at like, that store. Sounds like Jessica. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly, and she's starting to do shirts too. Because I remember um, seeing a pretty neat looking shirt that she was going to offer with her nice. logo on it. Nice. So. One day, hopefully, 75th anniversary of Sturgis is the next one in 2015, and I want to mm. go. You want to go to Sturgis? Yeah. It's on the list of cool things to do. I mm. mean, I did the last Daytona 200. How how lucky and random was that? Like, I might have seen true. the last Daytona 200. Very true. That seems far more exciting to me than Sturgis. But that's just me. I'm just not a Sturgis person. I'll never, ever, ever, I'll never go there. Yeah, I'm willing to check out any Mm -hmm. motorcycle event just to take in the fact that there are just thousands and tens of thousands of people who may like a different bike than me, but we all kind of answer to the same general calling, which is a motor and two wheels. Very true. I just don't want to see something I can't unsee. (laughs) And I'm not talking about crashing either. I'm talking about other things. Um, (laughs) But, um... Yeah, if you ever chance uh, have a chance on the way to Sturgis to visit, you should definitely check out her store. Yeah, no, definitely. I plan on connecting with her if I do, in fact, get lucky enough to head out there. Um. So what else we got? What else we got? Uh, the only other thing I wanted to just throw out there were is to oh, give tips. is to give some writing tips. Um, it's been a while since so we talked, kind of I think about specifically about writing, but. Um, I think that for a lot of writers, regardless of your experience, whether it's you've been writing for a really long time, but you are changing maybe your direction of writing and switching from cruising to dual sporting, or you're switching from dual sporting to sport riding or something, um, to where you're now shifting, you know, your focus on what kind of riding you're doing or you're new, you're just totally green and you're just getting started and you're kind of, you know, knee deep in, in maybe in a bike that you're not ready for or, or just other things are overwhelming you and you've kind of lost your um, self-confidence or you're losing it or you're just struggling with getting some to um, push you to ride more or just make you feel good about your decision to ride. Because I know a lot of times when you're struggling, you, it makes you think twice about whether you want to do it anymore or like, should I be doing this? Or is this a good idea? Maybe I suck. Am I smart? You know, just all these things kind of occupy your brain. And I think there's certainly things and, and ways that you can um, 
things that you can do to change your outlook a little and boost your self-confidence and maybe gain a better perspective. So for me, uh, one of the biggest things I could ever do for myself in the very, very beginning, um, and I remember very clearly because it really made a huge difference in just a matter of weeks on my personal outlook and perspective, was pushing myself to completely jump out of my comfort zone and just go riding by myself without anybody, without my spouse, without a friend, just me. And then, um, you know, at that time, I, I certainly wasn't going on the freeway or anything. It was just in San Francisco. So I wasn't like, you know, going out. This is on the scooter too. Like I, I, I'm just riding around the streets um, in the neighborhood. I'm not even going that far except to work. But uh, I made a very clear and conscious decision that no matter what happened, I was just going to go out and try to get out there and ride, even if I fell down, even if I dropped it or something. I didn't care. I just figured, what well, you know what? If I fall down, someone will probably drive by and help me or whatever. It's fine. I'm not going to worry about that. I think a lot of people are apprehensive to go out and practice and really ride because they're worried about what could happen to them. Like, what if I drop the bike? What if I get lost? What, you know, there's all these things that swirl in your brain. And um, I think one thing that people do is they hold themselves back in that regard. And they, they wait. They wait until their significant other can take them. They wait until the weather gets better. Or they wait until they feel like it. And sometimes, to be honest, you don't feel like it. Like you're not, I feel like you're not always in this gung-ho mood to go riding. And sometimes you kind of have to push yourself to, it's not that you're like, I don't mean like you're depressed and crying in a corner, like that kind of (laughs) emotional state. I mean, like just kind of that apathetic state where like, kind of want to go. I don't kind of want to go. That's where you push yourself. Just let's go get some seat time in and go out there. Um, And before you know it, you're having a really good time. And you're really, really glad you went, you know, certainly that's given the premise that you've had some training, you took your class already, and and maybe you've been zipping around with your friends or with your um, girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. But, you know, you have that preliminary experience. Now we're just talking about you and kind of the you time to get your confidence level up. And it doesn't have to be like an eight hour ride, you have to go out for like, 12 hours or, you know, you don't have to ride from SF to LA not talking about that kind of rigorous journey, you know, or a solo trip to Nepal. It's just like, hey, you know, 30 minutes to go get an In-N-Out burger or 20 minutes to go get ice cream doesn't have to be, you know, I don't think it has to be very much. Mm, ice cream run. That sounds brilliant. Yeah. Like find something to motivate you to want to go like your favorite bookstore. I don't know you know, visiting a a friend or something or going shopping, I don't know, go buying new shoes, whatever, whatever it is. Yeah, actually, if you do have a spending problem when it comes to shopping, (laughs) taking a motorcycle is actually pretty brilliant because there's a limit to how much stuff you can put on the bike heading home. Good point. Very good point. Um, That's true. You can only bungee so much. You probably can't bungee anything at all. 
So that's that that I think just in general, you know, pushing you a little bit out of your comfort zone, because to me, writing is one giant, you're out of your comfort zone experience until you really get your confidence level up. You're kind of in this limbo because you, you know, you're not, you're not feeling strong yet. You know, you can do it. You know, you're capable and you know, you're, you know, you have the training and wherewithal, but you're just kind of, something's holding you back or you're not pushing yourself to get out there and, and do it. Um, but for me, I have to say that was like the biggest thing, not relying or waiting for my husband and not waiting for somebody, but just me. Um, I think if you're maybe a more experienced writer and you're also struggling, or maybe you've taken a break and you're coming back into writing, maybe it's been like five or six years, you kind of have to backtrack and start a little further back, I think, than just picking up where you left off. Because you may need to revisit, like you may need to retrain, um, you may need to have a refresher or do something like a street master's class so you can kind of get, you know, you, you don't need to be taught how to use your clutch, but you may need to relearn or just have, you know, go through the experience of practicing uh, with some professional or just a really nice guided hand, you know, on improving your writing techniques and any kind of education or training classes you can take, that right there, I think, is a huge, um, huge booster. You know, even just taking the MSF class again, I know it's really rudimentary, but even auditing one of those is, it can be a huge, it also can be a really huge booster too. And, and there's also other levels of MSF. You can take the BRC2, which is like the intermediate class where it's just one day and it's only like six hours or five hours. There's no classroom or anything. So there's a lot of other training classes along that, um, like Lee Parks, that sort of thing. I know we've talked a lot about taking classes in the past, but if you're completely at a wall, go find a, a class that you can take and, and um, you know, see if learning a few new things or just practicing new things with you know, someone to guide you a little bit, that, that can make a difference as well. Absolutely. Everybody needs a little refresher course now and then. Absolutely. Yeah, I know. Totally. And, um, I could use one. I, I, well, I want to do a track day. So that's kind of my, that's my goal for my next riding. Uh, although if I can find something along the lines of street masters ish, something in that area then I'm, totally down for that so i'm gonna look for something like that isn't in the there spring. like something in virginia or carolina's I know, I know corner speed or something like that well i know there's like um not pridmore school but um there's another school i can't remember the name of it um in the somewhere in the in the few hour like two to three hour area it's not too uh -huh. far i know there's stuff out here i just got to get off my butt and look for it um, yeah, we'll hurry up before it hits winter because it definitely well, there'll be a it'll be spring. the death toll for. You know, uh, you know it, I'm talking about spring. It'll definitely be next okay. spring. Um, yeah, it's not going to be this winter, but um, yeah, because the classwork season is virtually opposite as far as uh, the West Coast and the East Coast goes. You guys are shutting down your classes, and ours mm -hmm. are just starting. Yeah, it's a bummer because uh, West Coast courses are usually done out in the desert, which is where most of our tracks are just because mm -hmm. the cost of real estate is much cheaper 
Well, mm-hmm. people like Walt, you know, close up shop over the summertime because it's just too hot up there. Yeah. I'm surprised here. I mean, I can't remember. I need to ask my friend, but I, I'm surprised here they don't shut down when it's like disgusting hot. They might. Who knows? They might like when you show up and it's like 90 that day, they might be like, sorry, we can't. I don't know. But um, I know this summer it's been really mild, so I don't know that that has been an issue. But um, yeah, I need to go find something. But I definitely want to go and uh, kind of get back into that that mood, I guess, of relearning and, and uh, you know, just polishing up on things, brushing up on on my writing. So, so I did a particularly unconventional way of ending my street tires <laughs> by, uh, by doing a burnout <laughs> because baby needed new shoes. And I've had these TKC eighties sitting in my house for the last six months because I was going to put them on for a trip to Cabo that never happened. Oh. And then at, at that point I decided, well, why put knobbies when I have perfectly good street tires, unless I have a separate set of rims where I just, you know, swap out mm-hmm. the, the wheels every time I want to go off road. Yep. So I decided to just run the streets into the ground before I put on the knobbies. So I got 18,500 miles off of the stock BMW tires. Is that normal? I don't think so, because the guys at the shop were like, um, these are the original tires. I'm like, hey, I got the bike at 1,000 miles, and believe me, uh, if what you're looking at now appears to be the original tire, I can tell you I didn't swap them out. So 18,500 miles on one set of tires. That's a lot. And, um, yeah, so did a did a did a burnout. That was fun. BMWs don't like doing burnouts. Didn't really want to get the uh, the back wheel lifted up very easily, but um, it was fun. I've only ever done one say. ever, and that was okay. Yeah, I'm done. That was fine. Yeah, it was good. Whatever. Yeah, it was, it was just something to do. I mean, yeah. you know, the the nature of a burnout is that you could potentially. Bring your clutch to needing replacement if it doesn't, if the back wheel doesn't free up fast enough, which was getting to the point where I, I lost a little bit of the life of the clutch on my bike for sure. But, um, you know, you don't really want to do a burnout when you have a fresh pair of tires because you're running through your tire. Well, I had at least a couple hundred miles left on the tires, but they had told me, you know, you probably should have no, ride No, you probably didn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, Not so I decided, you know what? All right, I'm going to do this. So that was fun. And there you go. And now that I'm on Nobbies, I can tell you the first 100 miles on them was a little weird because the last time I rode Nobbies was with the 200 Honda. And at that point, Nobbies for me were a standard feeling. You know, there is no other, I have no reference point. So I can't remember what that was like really seven years ago, but I can tell you when I got on the BMW with the knobbies, it felt like there was like one little ridge of balance and I would constantly fall off of that. It was the weirdest feeling having having fresh knobby tires on the street with that bike. It's better today. It's better after the first hundred miles, but I'm telling you, I it just, yeah, it was kind of weird. It felt like I was like Bambi on highway. Interesting. Well, I, I had knobs on the DRZ, they were just yeah. 70-30s, though. They were those Trailmasters, those Shinkos. So to me, I thought they were like a full dirt, but my friend said, no, they're just they're a dual. They're 70-30. I can't tell. I couldn't tell the difference. 
uh, yeah. I don't. I mean, well, I take that back. I certainly could tell the difference from you know a Pilot Power Street tire, but on the bike, it just all felt tall and weird and funny. So, but it, they they actually did um, ride fairly well, given that they were a little knobby. They actually did a pretty good job in the in the twisties. I um, yeah got them over. Were you leaning over too? Yeah, I mean, as much as wow. I felt comfortable, certainly not as far as I could. Because I just didn't know what the range was for that tire, given yeah. I just don't really trust a knobby tire. But um, the, the reviews, I was warned. reviews say that it, that particular one, that Shinko, was actually it's pretty pretty good in the twisties. But I didn't I didn't want to push it really hard. But I did get over. I mean, I certainly got over as far as I. Yeah, I mean, I know. don't anticipate getting quote unquote over on the BMW, but. <laughs> I definitely am like going very Possible. easy because the warning was, Christy, these aren't the same as the tires we just took off your bike. Use some caution. Yeah, they're definitely different, but you, you can. It just uh, it, that I think that that that's something later with a little yeah. maybe a little more riding time in them. Where? But um, I hear good things about those tires. They're I think they're like the Pilot Power tire of the dual sport world. Um, yeah, definitely. But. uh I got. I finally put a new rear tire on the on the SV because that old one was not holding any air beyond twenty psi. She can ride her bike again. Yeah, theoretically, I can ride my bike again. So tires on there. Um, yeah, now I can ride it again. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm gonna. I gotta put my heated liner harness on there, and then I'll be good to go. Then I'll have some heat. It'd be nice. I think I'm gonna. And that's something you can take off, right? Yeah, it's just you're just adding, uh, you're just putting the harness on the positive and negative leads on their battery, and oh, then okay. cool. and then the line runs out from under the seat, and there's a little cable that hangs under the seat, and then you can plug your jacket into the cable, and then when you're done, you can just pop it off of the battery and then move it to another bike or whatever. Because I have a, I have a portable controller that sits in your pocket so it's not something that's like screwed into the bike or mounted so since it's a portable one it's just you control it in your pocket and then it just unplug it when you get off the bike so that would the power source comes connected pretty or disconnected pretty easily right it's just like a cigarette lighter yeah it's tiny it's called a coax and it's just a tiny cool. little it looks like a audio cable or something, like a male. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. The little two dealy. Um, no, that's a pigtail. That's for the battery tender. Okay. But this is a different. It's just one little round cable. It's pretty standard for the Gerbing, the Powerlet, hmm. the whatever. Everybody uses the same one, but it's very, very easy to install. I just didn't buy the mounted. On my last bike, I had an actual dial mounted to my dashboard because I had a flat Ooh. space. Yeah, I actually had, uh, there's fairing on the SV650S. So I just um, popped the controller in there and then ran the line from the dash down the body of the fairing or the trellis frame under the seat to the battery. So it's still removable. It's just there's more stuff. But this way, since the controller is in my pocket, I just take it out, turn the heat on, put it back in my pocket. I'm ready to go. So nice. it's definitely more portable. So I can install it on any bike I choose. We'll see. That's good to have. But that's, uh, yeah, it was, it's like I had the controller for a while. I just needed the harness. So heated's great. If you can go heated, people, you can't, can't 
go wrong. You just can't not be warm. I mean, unless it's like zero or 20 below, but... Yeah, me on the other hand, I did actually. I, I went out to Castaic last night and hung out with some of the Rawhide guys for a campfire. And I remembered the last time I went out to Castaic that I needed to take the Queens, the fuzzy pink mm-hmm. interior um, knuckle-protected racer gloves that are also waterproof. So I packed those away because when you depart Castaic at like midnight... It's in the 40s. Why are you leaving at midnight? So, it was, uh, it was chilly, but fortunately I had my, my, um, (laughs) I had a t-shirt, I had a a long sleeve thermal, I had the climb jacket, the little medium base layer jacket, Mm -hmm. and then I had the Dainese with the zip-in liner on and everything was perfect. (laughs) Or you can double layer, there you go. Yeah, and on the on the weekends, uh, to answer your question, midnight, uh, on the weekends, when they do their class, they have a campfire. Oh, so you just went out late so, at night for that? Yes. Oh. So I, I cruised out to uh, Got it. to mingle and catch up, campfire, and then take off. Got it. So. Awesome. Good time had by all. Mm. Well, I'm excited that you get uh, to share with our listeners someone from back in San Francisco. Yes, and one of our readers did express interest in learning more about Motoshop. Um, they are in San Francisco, and the website is, I believe it's now motoshopsf.com. There's have cool. been, since their incarnation, many, many knockoffs. And, uh, <laughs> like, literally copying the logo, calling themselves Motoshop in other countries. No kidding? Yeah, in other countries, not here. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, good luck chasing that one. Yeah, they're not. But, well, I I don't know what she's doing. But certainly not here. Not called that. Um, But it's it's just nice. It's a DIY shop where you can rent lifts by the hour. It's also membership-based, so you can go in and um, pay pay for lift time either, just to use the tools that come with the lift station. So everything's there for you. You just need to roll your bike in, and you can change your oil or change your carbs or whatever, and there's classes as well. So you can learn how to work on your bike, whether it's a Triumph, a Ducati, a Suzuki, uh, whatever it is. They have classes for everything, Um, and they're not expensive. It's not like thousands of dollars to take these classes, and they're great. So you get to work on your bike. uh, You get to meet people, you know, make friends, go riding, fix your bike. So it's a pretty cool thing. So I'll talk with her tomorrow, and you will hear all about it this week. So that'll be the next Bonus. installment. Bonus. That'll be next installment. And um, otherwise, I think we should be back next week. It's Halloween, pre-Halloween next weekend. Yeah. So... I should have some good stuff to talk about by next week. All right. Um, I'm going to try to go upstate and not upstate. It's like an hour north and visit the uh, Pennsylvania State Asylum. It's like an old mental hospital that they closed down. And <laughs> now they do Halloween tours. So... Oh, really? Yes. Uh huh. (laughs) So I'm going to try to do that on Sunday. For a minute there, I was like, okay, Joanne. She has an interesting version of what's a good time to her, but to each his own. Yeah. (laughs) Halloween. What better way to see it? I know. I didn't catch the tour part. (laughs) You're leading up to that. Otherwise, I'm like, oh, she just likes to see mental hospitals. Excellent. It's haunted, supposedly. So, yes. Are you riding up there then? 
Uh, no, I doubt it because we're going with another couple. And, um, okay, because that would be kind of scary. You're on the bike and you've just gone I through and seen like... Would, uh, sure, I totally would ride up there, but I don't... Yeah, I think we're going to drive. We're probably have, It's a double date. We're probably going to have dinner and then go to the thing or something like that. We'll definitely drive up. But it um, should be fun. Yeah. So, be I'm afraid I have some extra paranoia when riding home in the dark. Like I'm yeah. bringing something home with me. I, I don't want to do that either. But... um. <laughs> And I think it's going to be pretty chilly next week here. So, no. You know, I'll be in the car, but uh, I'll report back. It should be cool. Awesome. Yeah. So, I think that does it for 55. We will definitely talk to you next week for 56. Thank you, thank you, thank you for coming back to join us. Um, as always, check us out on Motorific.com or on Facebook.com slash Podcast. Which, by the way, you do not have to have a Facebook account to see. You can actually, it's public. This is true. Anybody can see it. You don't have to log into Facebook. You can just put in facebook.com slash podcast and look at our feed um, or just visit the blog, whatever you like. And in the meantime, of course, you can um, hang out with Christy on Twitter at ADV Goddess. And I'm everywhere else as Geerchick. Until then. We hope you have a great week and we will talk to you next week.